and welcome back to another Pupusas podcast. Today we have three guests joining us, so please introduce yourselves. I'm Catalina. I'm Maria. And I'm Yangso from Guatemala. Yeah, so Catalina and Maria are joining us from Mexico, which is where I live, and we will join together to talk about feminism in Latin America. So we've seen many topics in this podcast, but feminism is one that we haven't touched yet. And I think it's very important and it's very evident across all of Latin America. And it's different for each country. So I don't know if you guys would like to share how you've seen it in your country or how you've seen things not regarding feminism in our country. So machismo or something like that. I think that it's a topic that's very prevalent, at least right now. I like I woke up and the first thing I saw was like a BBC post in Instagram that was talking about like the feminists in Mexico City that like stormed into the human rights office building of, of the government. And it was really interesting to see this pictures of just like the, you know, like the revolutionary heroes of, of Mexico, just like painted over with purple and, and like with lipstick and things like that. Just like this feeling of like, okay, like we, okay, it's good that you're looking for human rights, but you're not respecting ours. So I think that it's very interesting that dynamic. Yeah, I think it's the same in Guatemala. We also um, have a lot of problems regarding uh, women's rights. I think Guatemala overall is doing really bad with women's rights because um, many women does not have the opportunity to um, you know, study in schools and get the jobs that they want. And men still think that women are... Um, no inferior of men so i think guatemala itself does need a lot of work to you know improve women's rights yeah and it's the same here in mexico and also in el salvador especially with the educa education thing many women don't go to school past the age of 15 if something like probably 11 years old as well it's really common to just like stop going to school stop working because there's this expectation in your family that the men are going to be the ones who work All the women just are going to stay at home or find other stuff to do to make some money. And I think that at least of what I can see in Mexico, it's become very normal. Like it's very normalized, this whole structure of what men do and of what women do. And because of that, there's this in, like ingrained thought towards women and towards men as to what they need to do or how they are or what rules they need to follow as like also with men. So everybody has this kind of misogyny or sexism like in their mind that reflects in society and the way that people think. Yeah, and it's sometimes like even indirect, you don't even like see it directly with people talking. You just listen to some of their things or just like see them behave in a certain way and you know that there's like, machismo engraved in their, in their brains like you said Kata and it, it's something that's generational and that it can't really just change from one moment to the next it's, it's very impacting very big also I just saw a news art article from Costa Rica and there was a news article where women were killed because they were protesting um, for their rights which I think it's insane because you know they were protesting peacefully and the people managed to just kill them because they really don't like how these women were, you know, um, protesting for their rights. And, 
you know, the Constitution itself protects, you know, everyone, you know, under the law and it says that everyone's equal. But if you see how society practice, you know, practices all of these um, laws, they tend to not follow most of these laws, which makes, you know, not only women, but, you know, other races um, unequal from, you know, others. Yeah, and one of the major things that happens out of these protests is chaos. And last year in Mexico, we saw how the feministas were protesting because of police rapes that are very prominent here in Mexico, and it resulted in chaos. And this also retracts from the from the cause because it's not just the feminists who like destroy their cities in in a protest. It's also people who want to you know like not make this cause like evident. And I don't know if I'm explaining myself, but it's a very big problem. Yeah, I think I definitely, I don't know, I feel like I've had that pat, like happen to me, like at least in the sense of like last semester in school when we had the March 9th uh, movement where all of the women in Mexico or all of the women in Mexico was the idea, but I'm not so sure that all of the women actually did it. Um, were supposed to not go out of their houses and not show themselves to see like the impact that it would cause if it weren't for women in Mexico. And I noticed that all of the good things that we did, like in school at least, we did videos and we tried to promote by doing photo shoots. And and we in in the school magazine of, of our school, we decided to include like an issue that had those themes of feminism very like very involved there. Like, I still noticed that at least in, like, the local newspapers and the national newspapers, all you would see in, like, the front pages would be the the aftermath of, of more of the destruction of those protests instead of seeing the good. And then you would see, like, in the parts that nobody reads, like, of, like, culture and, and other parts of, of the magazine or, or the newspapers, you would only see, like, a little tiny paragraph dedicated to the good things. And I think that just, like, reflects kind of that like mentality that society has towards like women trying to make progress and, and to show like, okay, like we have, like we do have good things going on for us and we have like developed our system so that it's a little bit less um, as harsh as it was before. But at the same time, it's not, it's not the same. And I don't know about you, but for me, there's this kind of reaction from specifically men of what I've seen, that they criticize the amount of chaos, as Irene mentioned, and the amount of violence that happens in these protests. And although I understand that, you know, some feminists are kind of damaging the cultural monuments, I feel like people put their attention on that instead of of the fact that women are literally being killed for being women and those lives will never come back and these monuments can be reconstructed. They are, they are only a representation of the country, but these women are basically the country and it's killing them. And then men also are like, they just criticize everything and they don't understand and they say like, well, more men are killed and you're not doing anything about it. It's like, you can do something about men, but why do you get that argument when it's our fight only? Why don't you just go do it yourself? Or there shouldn't be like deaths at all. Like, I don't know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I think 
the men, well, let's not say men, but the people who just like say that and say like, no, let's focus on all the people who are being killed. What about all the men? Like you said, you can make your own movement and we'll support you. Feminists will support you all the way because we don't want anybody to be killed in any country. So it's just a way of taking from your argument and making it you seem weaker when at the end of the day, there's no basis to just saying, let's focus on something else. No, you can't take something away from a cause that is this big and this important to humanity. With the case of Mexico, you guys at least have a group of people who are protesting for their rights, but Guatemala does not. So um, I think in Guatemala, we uh, still need more you know, people to get educated or to realize that women actually don't have the same rights as men. Because if there's not a group of people who are actually going out and protesting, um, you know, feminism, you know, machismo will always be present in our country. And, you know, Guatemala is a country where machismo um, is, you know, very common. I definitely think that it's something very common in all Latin American countries. It's something that comes all the way from, you know, like, Um, the Spaniards coming to America and, and colonizing. And it's something that we've lived with our whole entire lives. And that's why, as Catalina said, it's so normalized. And I definitely think that if some countries start protesting like Mexico, because um, we've, I don't know, like our country is, is larger than, than Guatemala, I think that it still is going to create like, like that, I don't know, like inspiration for other countries. And we are going to get inspired by other countries following the movement. And I think that's the only way in which we can, you know, like cause that change in all of Latin America, not just a specific country. Yeah. And I want to kind of move on the conversation here. We're talking a lot about how feminism is lacking in some of our countries or how this movement is lacking. But let's get to the root of the problem. So let's talk about machismo. I don't think it's something to blame men for or just say like men are machistas and they are taking away rights of females because it would be wrong to say that it's just a way of thinking that's gone on from generation to generation and it's gone on since the times where women couldn't vote couldn't work who were only here to take care of children which was what like less than 100 years ago to now where we can work but this thought has still gone on from grandparent to grandparent from grandparent to father to child so Let's talk a little bit about that and how the history of machismo is deeply rooted in our countries. Yes, I think that it's it's deeply rooted and I think you can see it, at least for me, I can see it in, in my family. For example, my grandmother, she was the only woman who was studying economy in like her graduating class. And all of her friends, like or most of her friends, didn't even go to college because that was not something you did as a woman. And then Like more recently, there's been this talk of like, oh, like you're only studying psychology mientras me caso, because that's just like kind of the stereotype of that, of that I don't know, like that area of study. And I think it's very interesting that like from going from not studying and not working and just like being a housewife, it's now like, oh, like if you're not doing like something that's like extreme and like super hard and super like more deemed by society as more important than it's just like oh you're just studying or working just because you haven't gotten married like I think that's an interesting way of seeing it and now with us I guess like that's kind of still present like at least for me like I question like oh like should I study this career or does it look like I'm gonna like 
that I'm just doing that because it's like the easy way out when it's like, no, like it shouldn't be that way. It should be like you work on whatever you want to do and it's, it has nothing to do with your gender. For me, it has been very similar as well. Since I want to study something that has to do with art and design, a lot of people have made comments about the way that, oh, you're only doing that because you're going to get married and someone else is going to maintain you. When that's not really true, it's really my passion and I'm willing to make an effort to make money out of it for myself and not for anybody else. And I think those minors those minor comments that happen in everyday life, although we might not stop and think about them, they're very present in the back of our minds constantly. And constant comments about family members and friends, about who you are as a woman and what you should do or how you should wear, or like comments about, oh, go get a boyfriend, you need to look pretty and you need to sit like this and you need to look like that. They kind of add up to the like I'm a woman I need to get a boyfriend I need to do this so it kind of builds this whole perception about what a woman needs to do and what they should do instead of moving forward uh in my case I think it's quite the opposite because you know my grandparents didn't have the opportunity to get an education because you know at that time everyone in Korea was poor and there were not enough of schools to you know um, educate all the people that are living in Korea. So I'm actually the second generation who um, is getting an education. And I think um, looking how you guys tell about your stories that, you know, people criticize how or what um, you guys want to study. Um, I think I'm very thankful that my family does not do that and supports me, you know, on the career that I wanted to pursue on, which is politics, because, um, you know, if it's a Latin American country, they would have told me, oh, do you think a woman will, you know, be successful in politics? You no, know, what are you doing there? You should be, um, you know, uh, working in your house and taking care of your kids. But, you know, I'm very thankful that uh, my family is at least, you know, a family that is very, very um, tolerant towards um, women's rights. That's awesome. And that's awesome that you're also part of the second generation who studies. I think that's super interesting because I, know, I don't know much of, of the history of Korea. So that's something very interesting. We should get to that in another podcast. And what I wanted to say is that in my family, it's kind of the same. We don't have much of that mientras me caso um, commentaries because in my family, we're mostly girls. My, my mom only has sisters. I only have a sister. My cousins are only women. So it's it's really hard to see machismo inside of my family, but I have seen it in the generation of my mom. Like, for example, she told me that when she was younger, when she was my age, and you're thinking about going to college, it's like you're thinking about going abroad to study and then coming back to get married. And you get married before you're 25 or before you're even 24. And it's, it's amazing to think how times have changed because now people get married nearly when they're 30. And you can see how it's had an impact on the way people find their voices and find what they want to do and their passions in life, you know, it's really interesting to see this. Um, I think that for marriage is, is, is something very interesting of how it's developed, at least in Mexico. I think that like before, like it, it like not in my case, but I know that it, it was very um, common for grandmothers to have married, had married at like 19 or 18 and crazy like that and have like, like 10 children and, and just, 
dedicate themselves to the children and to the household, which is just crazy. And I think that at least for my mom's generation, it's more of like, oh, like there's some, like most girls did go to college, but they ended up like not doing anything at all. Or the few that do, like they work, but it's only like part-time or, or they're like, I don't know, like they're not the main provider of income in the family. And that's still something that's very like relevant. I think that even like boys of my generation would feel like even uncomfortable if their wife was like gaining more money than them, just because it's like, uh, like threatening their like, like dominance or I, or I don't know what they think, but, but it's really interesting to see, especially now because like, I know so many girls who are like determined to almost like, you know, to get like this, like CEO job or like things like that that are very important. And I know they're going to get there. Like I I truly believe it. So it's going to be interesting that dynamic in our generation with the people who still have that mindset. Exactly. And it, it totally exists today. And I can see it in my parents because my mom and my family is the main provider. And I think I never really saw it as a problem until I saw that there is some evil coming from my dad who might feel proud that he is not the head of the household, you know. And it's very uncommon to see this in Latin America. It's, it's interesting to see how not common it is, how rare it is. And this takes us to the topic of toxic masculinity, which I wanted to talk about because it's not machismo. Toxic masculinity is not machismo. It's not the same thing. And many people think it is, but it's actually like the expectations of men and their expectations to be this man who provides for their family and supports and doesn't complain about anything, you know? And I don't know if you guys want to comment on toxic masculinity. I feel like with feminism, toxic masculinity could be reduced. I I feel like I'm generalizing, but a lot of men have this very wrong idea of feminism that I have seen comments that we want to have superiority or we want to be better. But in reality, at the end of the day, the definition of feminism both goes for men and women. It looks for this equality. And although we're trying to put women at the same as when we also need to give men the opportunity to be more vulnerable in themselves and not feel like they have this pressure to be more dominant in a lot of ways. Toxic masculinity also goes to gender norms when it comes to what they can dress, how they can dress, or how they can act or what they do with their free time, sports, whatever. And I feel like feminism could really do that. We just educate more men about that in order to, for them to feel comfortable to do that and to educate them about that. Yes, for sure. And this is a very important thing. I mean, feminism is not just women's battle. battle. It's for everyone who wants to achieve this. And I'm not talking about equality in the way suffrage means because it's not the same thing. I'm talking about equality in that everybody can be free or feel free to do to advocate, to feel, think anything that they want to do. So kind of let's wrap this up right now, guys. And I think it's been very interesting how to listen to all of your perspectives. We all come from different countries, different cultures, but it all somehow comes together. We've all had very similar experiences, especially regarding to feminism, because we have a long way ahead of us in our countries, especially. And it starts here. It starts with talking to each other about it, with breaking down what it means and taking down preconceived notions, negative preconceived notions of what it means. So thank you guys for joining us. And I hope to see you next time. This has been a very special conversation. And I think it deserves a part two because 25 minutes, it's too little time to break down feminism.